welcome to the very first week of Hair Dudes when the Premier League has started back 22 to 23 season. And here we are on episode 15. Who the toss? And it's four dudes in the house this evening. We've got the beautiful Sean down here in my bottom right. He's wearing a nice little piece of headgear. And we've got up in my top left, we've got the beautiful Paul. And he's wearing a lovely piece of headgear, which I actually went out and bought. Alison, throw me that hat over when you get a, set, a, check, a chance. It's probably not, no way near as good as Paul's was the best I could get today. And uh, we've got the amazing and gorgeous Duncan down here. Close that back door, Duncan, in case the dog runs in. It's behind you. Oh, that dog, I tell you, if you did that to me. Is that okay, Pete Paul? Oh, cool, yeah, that's cool, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go with this one. <laughs> It's a bit mine, <laughs> but we leave them for another policy hat expert. That's just for the sunny days for me. But um, we started off the season, and six of us dudes, Mark is in Toronto, um, moving gear with for uh, his favorite band, Def Leppard, uh, to get a free pass. And uh, Keith's all picking up a parcel, uh, or else he just didn't want to face that the first night out, Palace were beaten. But uh, you better get used to that or you'll never be back on here again. <laughs> but, uh, but the only winner on the first weekend out of us six hair dudes was Leeds. So I think that's the best place to start. Paul, was it a surprise? Um, yeah, I think it was. I think um, I think the Leeds are definitely, they were definitely a, um, they were an unknown quantity this season with regards to the change of manager who, Fortunately, with a bit of luck and a bit of grit and a bit of old, uh, dirty lead spirit, managed to keep us up last season. Um, and I think he's made wholesale changes. I think the the Phillips Rafina departures had sort of got the 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 the, the pundits and the fans of opposing teams talking, thinking, "Well, we've lost our two best players." What people don't realise is we actually didn't have Phillips for most of last season, and. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so that makes no difference. And Rafina never really came back after being in Brazil at Christmas time. Um, so, I mean, he was never the same player. And, of course, you know, in the last couple of games, he did get those goals that probably kept us in the Premier League. But I don't think they're the big losses that we, that, 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 that fans of other teams and pundits think they're going to be. I think our midfield looked strong without Phillips on, on, um, on Saturday. And I think there are some real. I think there's some potential future stars in what Marsh has brought in that that could be other. They could be the new Rafina, Aronson, Brendan Aronson, the American um, 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 player that he that he worked with and brought in, looks like an absolute fang. I mean, he was all over. The, he was the man of the match. I think our keeper looks like um, he looks like a fifty million pound keeper this season. I mean, he certainly kept us in it. And he didn't just keep us in it with great saves. He looked like he was in control of the box. He looked like he was directing people, managing people. And I think all over the pitch, we had real heroes. In actual fact, I think even Bamford, who didn't score, looked like he was the, play the playmaker. He looked like he was, the he was orchestrating everything that was going on. And of course, then you've got our record bye to this point, Rodrigo scoring goals. He's been with us three seasons. Under Bielsa, he looked like a waste of money, no disrespect to him, but he's been brilliant in, in pre-season and he hit the ground running with a goal on on, um, on Saturday. I, I think we are the surprise package of this year. I don't think we're going to get relegated. I think we might we might even breach the top 12. 
but it's early days. And these are players who know who don't know the Premiership. Um, and and we are gonna we are gonna ship five six goals against Liverpool and and um, and and Man City and potentially Chelsea and teams like West Ham and Spurs will probably beat us. But if we keep beating the Wolves and the the Palaces, then we'll be safe and and safe with leverage. So what was the, yeah, I didn't see it because I, I was getting ready to go away. But um, what was the kerfuffle between the two managers that happened? I, it, uh, the, the Wolves manager um, alleges that Marsh said something to um, uh, the the uh, the Wolves player Hawaii. Is that his name? Hawaii. Hawaii. How are you? How are you? <laughs> uh, he said something to him, and he said something that was inappropriate. Um, I'm led to believe it was the C word. Oh. I think, already, I think oh. he called him a cheating C. But I think he, I think the Wolves manager may have tried to make a twist that there was something either racist about it, but I doubt it very much because those two, the manager and the player have history. Marsh managed him in another team. So ah. they played very well. And the likelihood is that um, there is no malice or, or maliciousness between, between uh, I think, I think the, the Wolves manager is just a bad loser. And he has, he was like that last season as well when Leeds, when Leeds played Wolves. So um, good three points, brilliant for us. It's only one game. Great start. I think if we if we can pick up points like that against those type of teams, I think we 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 can we can consider games against City and Liverpool as free runs. Right. Well, then the best thing to do is move on to because we can't pick we can't pick another winning team. So we'll start with the next the fourth loser. <laughs> well, the fourth loser is not here, Keith. Uh, the second loser, which was Everton. Duncan, you were at the game. Yeah, I was at the game, and just a couple of things about the game. Um, I thought um, Sterling played really well for uh, Chelsea. I thought our defence was rock solid. The only way they could score was with a penalty. And at their defence, we could we had no striker. We couldn't put a goal in their end. They couldn't put a goal in our end. And I thought we played very well. And a draw might have been a, a good result. Looking at the whole game. How did that young fella play? From last year, that was looked like he was going to be a really talent. Is Gordon? Is it? Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, but Gordon, Gordon jumped up and he, he he won a lot of balls and things like that. But like, and they had the ball right up there at their goal, but there wasn't there wasn't a striker to put it in. Do you know, there was no not a striker. Like Delhi was up there when he came on, and Gordon was there, but not the not the killer instinct like Richardson had and that kind of well, thing. Well, on the ground. Yeah. What's the general from? Well, Elford? well, we we applauded them off the pitch, like to be beaten one nil and be beaten by a penalty by Chelsea. I didn't think it, it was a bad thing to happen. It was a stupid giveaway penalty that the caller did. Yeah. Um. The, it was a bad thing about the game. We lost for three months. We lost. Uh, uh, Godfrey, uh, broken ankle. Um. The captain was it was a, uh, uh, Pickford. He played very well, and he he ran the defense quite well, um, and it was just it was a simple thing of they couldn't score against us because we were really really good at the back, but we couldn't score against them because we hadn't got a striker. Uh, now Cody is already apparently signed up for us, and uh, Onana, who came on board before Cody, and Ghana, who played with us before, has been a it's taken a while for them to actually be signed up, you know. 
How was Seamus? Was Seamus Coleman playing? No, and Seamus Coleman will find it hard to get a a, a game because that, that guy, um, uh, the back for um, that came from Burnley. Um, jeez, uh, I can't even think of his name's gone out of my head, but uh, he played very well. And when Cody gets in there with him, two of them are going to be rock solid. I yeah, think. you you signed Connor Cody. Yeah, yeah, that was I great. think that's a great signing. I don't know if you can put it bit for him, you know. How old is he now? Uh, who? Connor Cody. Yeah, I think he's 29. I think he's 29 now. But uh, your man Tarkovsky, he was really good. I thought he was really good. He came from um, Bournemouth, and he's really good. And when he gets a good team, like, I mean, they didn't play Keane at all. Keane was on the bench. So there's already shake up there that we brought in new players at, at the back. Even Holgate wasn't playing. He only came on when Godfrey went off. So uh, there's a change of uh, there's a change of uh, people that are pay- playing for them now. And when we get them with the three guys on, on on board, it would be very, very hard, I think, to score against us. But we still need the striker. And so far there's no talk of anybody at this moment in time. So we'll Villa next week. We're away to Villa. Villa got beaten there by um was it Brentford? Who who bought, who beat Beth Villa? Uh, 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 Villa. Yeah. Brentford, no, was it? No. It wasn't Forest, was it? No, it wasn't Brentford. They came back from 2 0 down to 2 all. Yeah, I can't remember who Beth Villa. Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle. 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 Yeah. So, uh, like, I would see that, that you know, if you talk about managers going, let me see that Wolves fellow going, because I think he's under pressure already. I think he just puts pressure on himself in any of it. But um, I, don't, I don't think Wolves are going to be the strong team that they were. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. But anyway, um, I just care what we, that we get. Talking of strikers, then, will I move into Air Gang? You go, you go ahead there, Greg. I'll be we'll, interested. We'll in ask for somebody that I'm sure Paul, uh, I'm sure Sean will have an opinion, opinion on. Uh, but I didn't see the first half of Air Game yesterday because I was up in the air flying. And I, at least I was flying when my team weren't, you know. And... Uh, I just was shocked when, I, when it landed and all I could see was texts from you lads getting stuck into me. And I just, even when I seen the numbers, I went, this isn't good. No, they're not texting me to congratulate me. This And then when I got off and I seen, I went, oh, good Lord, you know. Now, I've watched back since and I thought the first 45, we were abysmal. Uh, funny enough, I thought Harry Maguire actually had a good game. And probably the guy who was one of the best players in the preseason, other than Martial, uh, it was Fred, and he was he was atrocious for the first goal. <laughs> you know, so you kind of look and say it's it's. In fact, we we don't seem to make any progress, and it's a big job. When we knew it was a big job. Now, my big thing coming into this season was, I don't care if we win nothing, if we can stay in around the top six or seven where we were, as long as when we play City and Liverpool. We, we, we have a decent game. So in other words, I'm the, with 80 minutes or 89 minutes to go, we're still in the game and we're not getting trounced. And if he, if he can get that result, if he can get them playing like that within two games, because we Brentford next away and then we've Liverpool at home. So well, can I just game. say something I just noticed about the Man United game on Sunday? And we, as I said to you, I, I genuinely believe that the presence of the Frasers had a massive impact on the crowd on the players and the manager. Mm. I, I, every time they every time they zoomed in on the board, there was absolute hostility. Now I think Sky really do their best to play that up 
they yeah. talk, they talk about the fact that the fans are angry and I mean I don't know what the fans are angry about. I mean, I, I'm not as a bit like um, a bit, I'm not I'm not interested. But I mean but I, I did I I think the fact that when the Frasers when they when they that's what they're called, isn't it? The Frasers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think when they I think when they appear at a Man United game, I think that that, that Sky, the media, really heighten the tension. And that must factor onto the pitch. You know, it must, it, it must be a case of because it certainly factors into the fans. You can see the fans are, you know, they're so there's so much hostility from them towards the board that that the fear factor of success, that absolute desire. That um, to prove that they are still one of the giants must have a massive pressure on the team. Yeah, I think that's the way you say that. You know, that Martinez, I think, is going to be a fine now. Granted, he gave away what would have been a stonewall penalty in most games, and he got away. But but he's a fighter and he's a scrapper, and that's what they need. And you need the likes of him to be pushing the other players on. I think Harry Maguire will play better with him, maybe beside him. And I think. Uh, Ericsson, once he gets settled in and he and he finds it now, to me, Fernandez needs to either ship up or ship out because he's he's not the player we had two seasons ago. So he needs to find his place in that team up front. Ronaldo will have well, we'll find out in the next week or two. Is he going anywhere? Is he staying? If there's no interest, then he has to stay, and then he just has to suck it in and, and carry on. You know what I mean? Uh, and now to which the thing is, okay, I'm sure Paul will say the same. The, the thing that I found incredible and and I found it absolutely amazing, you've got a new manager there and the the lack of intensity from the players was unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. And and this is a thread that keeps going. Not literally Fred, but, you you know, like, it was interesting because they showed a shot of Ronaldo going like this, like, as if to say, come on, get, get up, up. Like, you know, and he's sitting on the bench and it... it I, I, the la- I don't know whether it's money or whether it's like, la- you know, they just seem so lackadaisical. I mean, they, you're playing with a false, with a fake number nine, like a false nine. You know, McTominay was just looking to take people's legs apart. I mean, he, he you know, he, I mean, he was running around like, like he thinks he's Roy Keane, which, which doesn't fit in that team anyway. And again, I mean, the back, I mean, if, if that that is Harry having a good game, I mean, he was. I, I, I he's petrifying. Said Maguire had a good game, but I, 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 I just can't see it. I like. He just looks panicked all the time. We're in the in a defending role, and I mean, you know, he took a booking for that silly little scrap, you know, like. And then again, I mean, he was lucky he threw a player on the floor. You don't want your captain doing that. I mean, he's lucky that look, you know, I. I it just the lack of intensity was unbelievable, and and as you say, uh, the saddest thing is Fernandez was such a player when he's there, and it, he's now he's just, I mean, you know, it was one of the, the one thing that I really noticed was the fact between the women's football, and again, I know it was an early game, but you know, the men's with the men, Fernandez rolling about on the floor as if he's been shot, you know, mm. it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And the women have, have shown the men to be great, pathetic. Oh, yeah. yeah, tough women. Yeah, been some great, great, great battles in that in the women's football. I mean, yeah. I, I, didn't, I only watched the final. Um, and I have to say, uh, I, I, I thought the England team 
the, the, the female, the, 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 the women's England team, they were obviously out, outclassed by the skill of the Germans, but the quality of their desire, their grit, their get stuck in attitude, that getting themselves up off the ground and just playing, playing for the freaking, playing for the game, playing for that title, outdone the Germans by 200%. No matter how yeah. talented you were. Maybe Eric Ten Hag needs to show the final to the, the players <laughs> and say, look, that's, that, that, that's, that, what that, that, that's what you call not letting the side down because they're not battling. And yeah. unless he, he, by, by the Liverpool game, if we're beaten by Liverpool, like anyway close to where we were last year, it's mm. it's, it's abysmal for the rest of the season for that man going forward. How do you, how do you I think Every Premiership team, Greg. Sorry for interrupting you. Should take a look at, at that. That I mean, they probably have taken a look at the, mm. the, the the women's final. But Jesus Christ! I mean, you know those girls were getting stuck in and bouncing straight back up for what? What 12, 30 grand a year for nothing, right? By yeah. comparison, and doing it for their heart and soul and for their pride. And uh, okay, Manchester United doesn't have that many. Um, players who really care about Man United's legacy and heritage and tradition. Maybe Ronaldo does. There might be one or two others. But um, it does say a lot about the game. And I think, um, I know we're going to come on to the fact that, uh, well, I know we haven't spoken about um, Sean's team yet, but I know we're going to come on to the fact that, you know, you have teams that are certainly um, more equipped with a lot more talent than most teams. But um, I think we've lost a little bit of the soul of, of what football should be. Yeah, yeah. Well, the five substitutes, we'll let, we'll let Sean have a bit of that. We'll talk about your game now. Yesterday, Sean, West Ham City, uh, we're in it other than one player. And that's yeah. what we got And he seemed to do the job. Yeah, I think, I mean, not only him, I just think, I, I, th I think you've got to give the manager credit as well because, I, I mean, when we played them, twice last season we beat we knocked them out of the league cup and then obviously in that that at near the end of the season we went 2-0 up against them and they ended up coming back and and obviously that we won't talk about that but but what Guardiola did yesterday with the fullbacks I don't know if you saw the the highlights but he brought the fullbacks into the in the, into the midfield and we we just didn't know what I mean David Moyes didn't know what in I mean it it David Moyes had set up for the you know the same yeah. sort of game that, that when they when they you know we were two nil up um and and again i thought we were really lackluster but i think they were just more confused i mean they totally neutralized bowen i mean you know he was already in the game i mean suchet was already in the game it, it was you know like yeah no excuses i thought they that I, I actually thought it was a really professional performance and I, over the weekend you know i i you know i, I was i mean i was pleased that we only lost two nil I think like that they that could have easily have been three or four nil. I think if they they'd really switched on. But I think you know yeah, Hadland is obviously the real deal. But um, but I'd give Pep the credit. I thought the way he set that team up, David Moyes didn't know what hit him. And and then the, you know I, it took till half. To, I mean, totally neutralised us in the first half. Second half was a bit better because Moyes had been able to adjust. But. Yeah, they, they, I thought um, Pep deserves a credit like, for that. 40 degrees yesterday in, in that stadium. You know what I mean? So, like, to be the running around if you don't have the ball, which you don't when you're playing against Man City, 
You know what I mean? That like you're right. Two 0 was a good result for West Ham, especially yeah. when you look at the bench. You were talking about you. You send the text to say you know football's come. It's it's crazy now. Five five substitutes, and if you have somebody like if you actually look at United and you look at City, both in the same city, but City substitutions, five substitutions were strategically planned. Errors we made the five, and it was like panic. We were uh, who's on the bench? Who can we bring on? Bring on that kid. You know what yeah. I mean? And and you're kind of going. That was panic. It was panic, you know. And it, like to me, yeah, I miss you. Like a young Argentinian lad that's playing for us should be playing from the beginning if he's that good, you know. Because I miss you guys yesterday. I just I just think the sad thing is, you know, like it, you know, like I'm saying there. We, you know, I actually turned the telly off, and I was I I thought I was quite proud. We only lost two 0 That's not good for football, you know. It oh, really isn't. No. And uh, I think. Um, you know, I think what we've got to look at is is like American football, that you have to have a, you know, your squad adds up to a certain amount of money. And if you want to spend that on your quarterback, you can do. But, you know, all this, you know, when they try to change the rules and it's it, even in Europe, you know, Paris Saint-Germain and all of this, it's 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 just nuts. And it's, it's the city just, I'm in. I love this city. I just I detest the football club. Because I just think it's it's everything that's wrong with modern day football. Like look at Barcelona there; they couldn't register four players that they've bought because they can't justify wanting another guy to cut his wages in half. And they basically, whether La Liga or anti, I know they're a bit anti-Catalonian in any way, but like, is it part to upset them? But like, they want Frankie De Jong, sell him, but within the next two weeks, and and hopefully, I'm hoping. I'm going out looking for him after this to find out where the guy's living and just beg him to come to United and give us some hope. But it is, it's it's crazy. I watched them playing last night when I was walking through Barcelona. It was on every telly and they romped away 4-0 and they were bringing players on and off and the whole lot. And you're kind of going, they didn't, this is a club with no money. No money. You know, it's crazy. So I think you know what? a really valid point, Sean, that if you actually were to cap it at a, at a, at a fee and say, that's, that's, that's your budget. Well, the thing is, like Paul said earlier, right, it's a travesty to have Calvin Phillips, a player of that quality, to have Silva, a player of that quality, to have Mares, a player of that quality, sitting on a bench. It's, it's a travesty because, you know, you pay big money now to go and watch football. And, you know, even in, from that sense, from a spectator point of view, you know, if, if Calvin Phillips has decided that he wants to win something, I can't blame him. You know, it's a short career and, you know, but but I I mean, I, and I think he will, someone like that, especially the crowd at Leeds, I think he'll regret it. But I think, you know, it's a travesty. To, to, it's, it's stopping us all seeing some of the greatest players in the Premiership because you, you just can't. I mean, you cannot bring Murray's on with three minutes to go. It's embarrassing and it's, it's it's unfair as well. I mean, you know, I, I just think this five rule is going to pay into, into their hands even more. But the thing is, Sean, and, and this is this, I've had this conversation with, I'm, I'm part of a Leeds forum. We had this conversation all weekend after um, Phillips, you know, because a lot of the Leeds fans are, 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 are asking the question, you know, why would somebody who is an absolute icon to one of the biggest football cities in, 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 in the world, Leeds are a, a global team. Yeah. You know, go and sit on the bench of Man City simply so that he can get a big pay packet and also at some stage say he's won something. When in actual fact, he could actually have been 
And and also remember, he'll only ever be remembered as a squad player if he doesn't make the first team. I mean, Calvin Phillips is allegedly England's number one midfielder, and there's a p- possibility that he won't go to the World Cup because he hasn't got enough game time. Yeah. Now that that aside, Jesse Lingard will take his place. Yeah. Well, <laughs> th- that aside, there is another there is another aspect to this. I think we have. I I think well, there's two things. I think we actually think less of players for going to Man City now. I think when they make that choice, we think less of them as of their character, of their integrity, because we know the why they're going there. They're going there to be part of the glory train, part of the part of the the quick route to success. I'm sure the players who won the Premiership with Leicester all those years ago feel much better about what they achieved than the players who are at City with their buckets of medals and nobody can remember their names. Does anybody yeah. think that was a strange, just off the re- a strange move there, Casper Schmeichel leaving Leicester for one million? Yeah, and but it, what a great servant. Imagine that man, you know what I mean? Hmm. What well, a great servant, though. I mean, maybe, maybe he, you know, I mean, I think behind the scenes, he might realise that, that his era and that Leicester era, you look at Leicester at the weekend, I mean, they've had their time, I think. I think they are, they are a team who are in decline. The great team that was built there, not full of superstars, but full of people like the England football team, the, the, the women's football team, who give everything for that city and that badge. But that's gone. That, that's a once in a lifetime. They're, like, they're the Blackburn of modern football. We'll mm. never, they'll never be the same again. Those teams come around once a generation and their players like Lineker and all these various other people they will be famous forever, but that that Premiership winning Leicester team will be entrenched in history forever because it's never going to be done again. We move, we move on to Mark's not here to tell us how brilliant Liverpool were and how Darwin Nunes is way head and shoulders above Haaland. But he's not here. But Duncan, we let you kick off and how you felt love Liverpool because your team is so close. And you know, if you weren't an Everton fan, you'd probably be a Liverpool fan. But it doesn't matter. Well, well, I'll tell you. I tell you the honest truth. I, I watched the first half of that over in Liverpool, and um, I thought Fulham were fantastic. I thought. I thought uh, Marco Silva. I always kind of thought he was a really good manager, and I think we should have hung on to him. I always felt because I remember being at a tour in Benfica. Uh, one time and uh, I was actually on my own going around the tour with this girl who I would say was playing football for them but uh, she was saying God she's got a great manager there and I kind of felt yeah we really really did like you know and I was disappointed that they probably should have given me a little bit of time but anyway put the chase I felt that uh, Fulham played really really well I like to see a manager standing on the sideline rather than being in the bench and and getting the whole thing and, you know, getting a few shouts here and there, whatever it is. But um, uh, I feel that Fulham will uh, play a good um, season. I really do. Um, Liverpool, they frustrated Liverpool. Now, it was end-to-end and it was it was good and that kind of thing, but I don't know. And I did put Liverpool down to, to win the league, actually, at the start. I thought about it at the start, but it changed me whole the whole thing that I was doing, I think it was sports force now. But anyway, um, and I wouldn't be a Liverpool fan by any means. And I do like the, their style of play. I do like them when they're playing and that. I think they play really, 
really well. But Fulham, for me, on the first half that I saw, deserved it. And I think they got the goal. If you look at the two goals, I thought Trent was at shown he's not a defender of any way, shape, or form because your man just went over him and he'd done yeah. nothing. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And then, uncharacteristically, Van Dyke's challenge for the penalty was, was shocking. Like, he just clubbed the legs off him and I kind of went, yeah. he never usually makes mistakes like that. You know what I mean? He usually take the ball. So, maybe, mm. maybe the back, I, I just feel with Liverpool, Henderson and Milner are still being played a little bit much and have they got the legs for it now and have they got the squad to bring on? That city have like it could like sadly we could end up with city running away with it, you know. I hope it doesn't happen, you know. Yeah, I don't think so, Greg. I think Liverpool have a tendency to start, you know, a little bit slow and a bit kind of heavy leg. Mm. And I remember mm. the season Leeds came up, and you know everybody was tipping Leeds to get tanked six seven nil, and Liverpool they played Liverpool in the first game, and it was a, a Premiership classic. It was four three. It was ding dong all the way through. I think last season they had a bit of a bad start too. I think where Mark is wrong is I think I think um, Haaland is going to get 30 goals this season. I think he's going to destroy defense. I think there are teams in that premiership from maybe um, maybe from maybe from the fourth team down, I would say, who he will run ragged and he will get goals that will make the difference. I mean, he will get goals that will make the difference, not only at the end of the season, but to games that City shouldn't win because if you look at the way they're playing with him yesterday, they, he's been directed, everything's been directed towards him, or he's mm-hmm. directing everything. He's fast, he's efficient, he's fearless, he's cool, and he's talented beyond belief. Um, and I think Mark's wrong about it. I think Mark is, it's wishful thinking on Mark's part yeah. that Haaland is, is a myth, because I think every football manager in the world would love to have Haaland in mm-hmm. their team. Um, I don't. I don't know about the Liverpool player. I. I think Mark. I think if if um, I think whoever um, Liverpool signed, I think Mark would champion them because he's got a slight bias that way. Um, <laughs> but, but but I, I I genuinely believe that Haaland is the star of this year's Premiership, and I think he'll get thirty goals, and I think he'll go on to even bigger and better things. And I think I think if City if City use him properly. He will be like a Ronaldo for City. He'll stay for as long as he's wanted and loved because obviously his father was a City player, but he's actually a Leeds legend. Um, um, well, they were actually they were talking there on Talk Sport to, to um, a former Norwegian colleague of, of Alfie Haaland, and he said he's known the kid since he was tiny. He said, but his career has been strategically planned. He yeah. said originally when he was small, United wanted him. And the father, no, we we don't want them. We don't want them to go to a big, and you know, a big club at the time, not anymore. But but they didn't want them there. No, we and it was strategically. And the, the second move, and this is what he was saying, was supposed to be another feeder club. So yeah. basically, they're now more saying City are his next stop, but that's yeah. not the end of it. So you're obviously saying that the penultimate for this fella is he's end up going to play for either Barcelona or Real Madrid. Because that isn't anywhere beyond that. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, I, I, think, I think for him to test himself on a world stage, um, because I, I think the problem that City have is, I still don't see City being the European champions. Uh, for some reason, I just, I just don't think there's, there's something about them that I don't think that they, they can seem to grasp as a team 
the importance of that. I think there's too many players within the City team whose personal interest is their priority. And yeah. winning the Premiership and winning, you know, the FA Cup is kind of, it's not saying it's enough, but I think that when they get to, when they get to Europe, um, their coherence seems to, see, seems to be not as good as it is in the Premiership. Now, that may change this season. And if it does change, I think it'll be because of the, of Haaland being in the team. Because I think he... I think you're 100%. I think that's so right, Paul. I think, listen, mm. yesterday... You had a mat, you had a lad who didn't have a particularly good charity shield, like, and he didn't. And then he skied that one, you know, like in front of 68 or 64,000 people, mm. gets the penalty and gets up straight away and he's taking it. Mm. And he took it and banged it in the corner, literally against the post. I mean, he is, he, you're, uh, you're so right. He's, he's got the, the confidence, almost arrogance of Cantona, you know, the way that he was, the way that he, like, you know, he sat down like the Buddhist. Thing. You know, mm -hmm. this I, I I actually think you're hundred I, I think they will run away with it this year. And I, I think they could they could I, you know, like you think last year they had Jesus, you know, Sterling, you know, the amount of chances they missed. And we all said if Harry Kane goes there, it's over. Mm. This could be, well, you know, it could be over already. Well, actually, there we mentioned Harry Kane. And let's have it's you're in London, so let's talk about two London clubs. Well, we'll talk about all of the ones around you. But there was two clashed on the 40 opener. Uh, Keith's not here, but I actually thought Palace had a great game. I actually thought they'd put it up. And oh, once Arsenal got the second goal, I just felt ah, that's too much. They're not going to come back. But I thought, well, at one nil, I really I had it down for the draw in my football pills. I really thought, geez, I think Palace, and especially with. Vieira being ex-Arsenal, the driver was there, and there was a passion in that team. And, and uh, as we were saying the last time, the, the place is a hotbed. Like the, the stadium was rocking for a little stadium, you know. And then, so, what would you view? Do you, do you, none of us see Crystal Palace being in the relegation because when I look at all the stats here that we got in, when I asked everybody, nobody put them down there. So, would you still feel they're a mid-table team with Vieira? I think this year. <laughs> and then, would you see Spurs winning the league? I, yeah, I personally, I, sadly, I, I yeah, could see Spurs. Sadly for you, because I actually felt they were the strongest team that finished the Premier League last season. Yeah, really, really and I think how well he got them together, and they were making good signings, and he's continued to make good signings. Yeah, and you guys sending out the, um, I think it was Mark's Gora odds, you know, to have Son at twelve to one to be the, 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 the top scorer in the Premiership. After last year, he was joint top scorer. He's, I mean, the bookies very rarely get it wrong. Mm. But I tell you what, they, I, I put a few quid on it because at 12 to 1, that's ridiculous. Um, well, actually, um, you know, but, yeah, I, interesting I, one to look at, Sean. Most assists, because that's what a couple of people I was listening yeah. to there were saying. Harry Kane won't be the top scorer in the Premier League, but most likely could be the man with the most assists. Because yeah. he's a very unselfish player. So I, 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 you know, let's actually, you know what, let's look. I've done the, we, I asked you all to send me in your top seven, okay, and bottom three. And combined, if I look at it, on average, right, Liverpool came out, out of the six of us, most people feel Liverpool will win the league. Right? Two of us felt Spurs. One felt Man City. And, uh, you know, that's that's the top three there. You know what I mean? 
really. But I, I, nobody's thinking Arsenal or Chelsea can win the league, uh, not even getting the top three. I, I honestly think that would be the top three. I think Liverpool, whether I'd like it to be Spurs, one, because I just feel it'll freshen it up. And I think my nephew is a Spurs fan, and God love him, I'd love him to see him, see him win something for a whole life long of never looking at anything, you know, or getting that close, but just always missing out at the end. So it would be nice, you know. And then there's another manager that we turned away at United. <laughs> just so it would be that... interesting as well if Man City do, you know, if they go quarterfinals, semifinals of the Champions League, what, I know we were talking about their squad, but, you know, would he start resting players? I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because you've got the World Cup right in the middle of this, you know, like this season which we've never had, obviously, before. So, you know, you, you risk an injuries, but also by the time you get to the end of the Premiership, you know, some of them players potentially could have played, what, eight, seven or eight games in the World Cup as well. A friend of mine made a valid point, though, because I was saying, oh, the World Cup and players going off. And he said, sure, Greg, any player going off to the World Cup would play less games than he would have played at that time of the year if he was playing the Premier League. You know what I mean? That that it's you might only be getting one game every few days or whatever. The intensity mightn't be there for all the players. So he said you might end up with players coming back nice and fresh. So I don't know whether you know where do you feel? I I I I haven't really thought about the World Cup because obviously we're from we're from we don't have very of an interest in it um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for 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 various reasons. Well, I, I, I think that the England, I think that the, the England team will, the deficit that it will cause the teams where the players come from will impact on the Premiership. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm sort of glad that Calvin Phillips um, is gone to Man City and we're not reliant on over that, that period, because it's a difficult period for, for, the, for teams in the, um, in the mid-table or bottom half, because it's a, it's a time of year where we need to be picking up points if we're looking down the barrel of relegation. And Calvin Phillips would have a big part to play in Leeds, um, in 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 Leeds um, survival. So I'm glad he's not with us, so we don't have to worry about him. But I mean, I think if you were, you know, if you look at some of the teams who, who are very heavy with with uh, England players, if they don't have a big squad, there's going to be they they will notice the, the deficit. Um, but for me personally, uh, I think by the time we get to to that point, you know, I think that I think the league will be already set in stone. I think I. I mean, even though I predicted Liverpool um, would win the league, because I really did feel that after the weekend, I'm I'm not so sure that um, anybody's going to really challenge City. So we'll see how mm. it goes. And Sean, you actually you would Liverpool down as well to win the league. If you change your mind, Sean, me, yeah, no, I've not changed my mind yet. I still think. I mean, I I still think Pep's focus is Champions Champions League. Mm. And I'll tell you what, the two Liverpool signings that, you know, my, my biggest worry was when they sold, um, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, who did they sell? The, um, oh, Mane, Mane. Oh, yeah. Mane, thank you. Yeah. But the two players he's brought in look, look, look as good. You know, like, I, I, I think like Paul said, they slow, they're slower starters, but, you know, if I think he'll add to that squad, but, I, I still quite fancy Liverpool, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the, the interesting thing, Greg, right now is is um, I think teams like Villa 
and probably Brentford and maybe even a palace, but I'm not so sure. I think it'll be I think it'll be it'll be teams who have a little bit of consistency in um in the premiership who have a bigger chance of going down this season. And I might even throw Everton into that mix because um I think the teams that have come up, you know, it's hard to say about Forest, but certainly Fulham look good. Well, the, well, the one, one, the one team that came out nearly unanimously that we all feel are going down, and that's not Forest. Yeah. Then the next to them was Brentford, then Fulham, then Everton. Right. Yeah, see, I, I, not Forest has spent some money. I mean, one of the things, one that ones that I'm really worried about, and and again, Duncan mentioned it earlier, is Wolves. Wolves. I think mm. Wolves are, you know, they're they're one of them teams. That, see, the one thing with Fulham is. You've got to remember it's their first game. You know, mm. their first game, they're up for it. You know, like they're playing Liverpool. You know, I, the thing is, Mitrovic, he did it before when he came up with Fulham. He, he scored. He was, he was banging in goals left, right and centre. And then after game number six, I don't think he scored one for till, you know, February. It's like, it's a consistency side of it. And I, I think Fulham will struggle. Brentford, I think, I look a pretty decent side. I don't think they're like... But Forest have spent some money. I mean, I don't know who they bought, but they've spent a lot of money. And I quite fancy that Forest manager. Well, he well, they, bought, well they, they, they done Lingard. Mm. And yeah. Dennis, although he wasn't happy with his interview, he's still a great guy. He's still a good goalkeeper, Henderson. So there's yeah. a, good, a good goalkeeper between the sticks, even though he's a bit naive in the interview he done. I think he was drawn out on that. And anyway, so I'd say he regrets doing the interview in the first place, you know? It just sounded like a fella throwing his rattler out of pram, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, like if, so, we're all happy with, with where we are. One game in, shot Paul wants the league to end tomorrow. So that, 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 well, actually, where would you? Where I actually didn't even look at the league table because it really doesn't mean anything at the moment. But well, where, I wouldn't would, would like. To, sorry. Where I is in the league? Did you look at the league table? I, th I think we were joint fifth yesterday. Yeah, take a photograph of that. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, you won't be far behind us this season. I'm telling you. I mean, you. I don't think. I think Manchester United are going to be. I think this might be their absolute worst season. I really do. I really believe there's just something not right about that team. I mean, as I said, I've watched most of the games over the weekend, and the Man United. I mean, I didn't think Arsenal absolutely outright deserved their result either, to be honest. You know, I thought they were quite lucky. And actually, Ben White looks like a completely different player in an Arsenal top than he did, mm. than he did when he was at Brighton or Leeds. He does not look comfortable in that position in that Arsenal team. I'm not sure if it's because he's just he's, he's off form or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think I, 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 it's going to be interesting for United this season, Greg. I'm looking forward to seeing how they... It's always interesting for United since Ferguson. Greg, can I come in there? Huh? Yeah, yeah I come in there about that player. I was thinking about that player that you're talking about getting that striker guy, is it? Inoutovic. Are, are we on the right yeah, back there, Sean, to be going after Inoutovic? Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not who I was thinking about. There's another player you're chasing. Oh, Cisco. We're after Cisco. Uh, plays the Salzburg, the 19 year old, you know. Yeah, but so, who's the guy, guy that you were looking at? Jules or something, was he? Who was that? Who was that, that guy? 
Yeah, well, that was Jules Holland. We were trying to get him in to do a gig to raise a few bob so we can buy him. Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter whoever you're going to get. He owns wages again. Get him out of Barcelona. It's not going to be the change in the team. And I think we have the right. I have to. We have the right way of. We didn't even play Keane at all. We started from the back. We're going to have a great defence. We're going to have a great midfield. We just need to get our hands on a striker. But and I'll tell you, and we'll be up there. The, the thing is, Duncan, every team in the Premiership is looking for a striker. Mm. And, and yeah. they're, they're not sure. They're not, they're not, I mean, Leeds are chasing a, a, a striker from PSV who got eight goals in, uh, on loan at some team, Len, Len, last season. And they're prepared to spend 30 million on him. And, you know, the Leeds fans are obviously up in arms because they're saying 30 million on a kid who's going to get eight goals. Why We've got a kid in the, in, in the under-23s who could get his eight goals. But mm. the value of strikers, it's like trying to find stylists. Yeah. Has anybody, yeah. Any, I've, I've spent all the last two weeks interviewing stylists and receptionists. Do you know mm. what sort of money stylists think they can earn in a salon nowadays? What do you want a grand? They, they want a thousand pound a week. Mm. You mm. know, I mean, I, I said to a girl today, I said, look, I don't want you to fucking play for Leeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, like the reality, the reality of it is here, you know, um, strikers they're 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 even at a low level bringing them in from the championship you're looking at 20 30 million so you know man united should should be expecting to pay 70 80 million for the type of striker that they need that's why gary neville goes oh i don't even, did you hear gary neville they asked him, what do you think of going after that I, I i don't even have an opinion of that i'm not even going to comment on it you know and actually neville has also said at the moment united are the easiest team for any team to play in the Premier League, to the team that everybody looks at and go, we can get something here today. And that, yeah. I thought that would change with the new manager. We'll see over the well, we'll see over the next two, two two weeks because the next podcast, I think we play Liverpool. The next time we're due to record is the night that we're due to play Liverpool. <laughs> What's going on, Greg? With, with United? I think it's probably be like that. Buying, I'll probably have to get a bit of volume or something. It'll ruin the end of my holiday. Greg, the boy, the boy in stars. That's what that's it, what United are doing. We're doing what George Graham did. We're, we're, we're building from the back all the way up. And we just need to get our hands on a striker. Preferably so. Just buy that fella Cornetto that you were talking about in the last podcast. No, he's gone somewhere else. He's gone somewhere else. But preferably someone, right, from one of them African countries, right, that's not great at English and thinks he's going to London. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. it'd be warm. It's back. It's like the book I reviewed, was it? The last musical youth. I had to stop in. We went around, Paul. I had to do the book review myself. All right, okay. And I've actually a couple of books that lined up. I'm reading the book at the moment. It's The Birth of New Romantics. Oh, very good. A lot, a lot of quotes, a lot of quotes from people that you know and you know, Robert Arms and all that, you know. Uh, it, what was it? The, um, um, uh, the what do you call it? The, the, Nick, the Nick Jones book. Um, I know. It's, it's basically just a book of quotes, really. Oh, right. a lot of, it's mostly everybody talking from, basically, the New Romantics came from, and they, people didn't even want to be called New Romantics. It was the no, best. I mean, it, it, gave it, them that it, you speak to any of the, uh, any of the Blitz kids and, and, and you refer to the scene as New Romantics, and I speak to quite a lot of them. I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it's such an insult. I mean, it's a little bit like calling... You know the original modernist mods. They, you know, they will just completely refute that 
terminology or that that phrase because those phrases were made by the media. They 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 mm. nobody. I mean, can you imagine a bunch of kids in the in the 19, 58 listening to jazz and you know watching what continental kids were wearing and refer and they had the intellect of um of of, of art college um students and and they had the cultural view of the word of of the politicians and the writers and 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 the social commentators of that day calling themselves something as crass as mods they, they wouldn't they wouldn't do it they, they left that to the kids who went down to brighton and picked fights with old age pensioners on scooters they left it to them they were they they called themselves mods the original well, well we, we finished with football now and we're into the music zone then we're going to do a little bit of political because sean wants to get in and talk mm. about inflation he has the solution and he hopefully has anyway but the Elvis movie, Paul, at long last you're here, I wanted to review it because I love it. You know what I watched on the plane coming over here to, to Spain? I watched Elvis on tour. Have you yeah, watched it? Brilliant, great, great film. movie. And, yeah. and after watching Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's version, and then watching that, he didn't get it far wrong. A little bit of poetic license on it. What did you think of the movie? I don't think there's any poetic uh, license. I, I, think it's, I think, for me, it's the film of the year. I, I, think, I think he took exactly the right tact to make something interesting and new and exciting about a story that's been told a million times. Coming from the perspective of the Colonel, that double-edged sword of, yes, this was a puppet master at work, a manipulator, a, 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 someone who exploited people, the, most, the worst type of character, on one hand, who absolutely destroyed his muse, but on the other hand, he gave the world the greatest living entertainer of all time. And yeah, I was saying, can I just interrupt you there, Paul? I was saying to clients, and, and I love your opinion on this, this is the way I looked at the movie, uh, where I came out of it. Without Colonel, if Colonel Tom Parker hadn't have took Elvis, would Elvis have been a one-hit no. wonder and popular? Would he have been a global superstar? And then two, if Elvis had left him when he was going to leave him, would could Elvis be still alive today? Okay, well, first of all, Colonel Tom Parker didn't kill Elvis, but that's a different story. Hmm. The, 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 the issue here is, no, without Parker, the, the world would never have heard of Elvis. Yeah. Because the racial tension and the, the racism and hatred and the segregation of that time would never allowed Elvis Presley to ever cross over from being a, a, a white rhythm and blues singing hick, country, hillabilly to being the commercial world superstar that he became under the management and the guise of Parker. The first thing that Parker did was sign him to RCA. RCA looked at Elvis Presley as a risk. They seen that this was something that they couldn't control and they couldn't manage. But they also seen rock and roll coming down the line. Other record labels had the Bill Haley's and the Little Richards and Elvis was something completely different. He had the looks, he had the charisma. He was a lightning bolt that will never happen again. I mean, it just won't. And Parker had the ability to see into the future and see when this rock and roll thing dies, he's marketable on every level. Movies, um, concert tours, posters, badges. He even had, I mean, he had the wit to know that for every Elvis absolutely fanatic, there was an Elvis hater. He marketed for both markets. He had every trick in the book. He, so he told Elvis Presley, I'll make you a million dollars. And he made him a million dollars in his first year. He kept every single promise, but he also kept every single penny. And that's, mm. 
Now, would have Elvis have lived beyond 42? No, because Elvis was surrounded by enablers. He was a country boy, he had simple tastes, and he never recovered from losing his mother. Um, and I think the reality of it is his career was set in fate. It was always, he was, he was a lightning bolt that shone, shone so brightly that he could not shine forever. I think Elvis was dead by 1973, by 1974. I think- What do you make of the soundtrack, Paul? I thought it was amazing. I th I, I, it's I, the most played soundtrack I have on my phone now. And I, there's one saying that in the movie, I, I enjoyed it, but listening to the soundtrack makes me want to go and watch the movie again, because I want to watch that scene. And then watching the movie, Elvis on tour. I wanted those guys. I wanted to know more about the guys he does. And it's the scene when he's in Vegas for the first time, and he goes over and he goes, "Glenn, Glenn, I'm going to try something different." And he goes, "Right." Dee, dee, dee. And and to me, I'd be another. Everybody knows where to go. With Ed Sheeran, great fella, but don't shouldn't be doing stadium tours. But when you look at Elvis there building up that sound, and he went through every instrument. And everything, and the, the sound just got bigger and bigger and bigger till it led to that, what we all know, that introduction music, did it, did it, from Elvis from Vegas. And it was just a, like, to me, it's, that's what a show was all about. The unfortunate thing, Greg, and I don't want to, I mean, I am, obviously I'm an Elvis fan, but the unfortunate thing with Greg, Greg with Elvis was that he, he, he became a victim of a, of, of, um, I think, the, the Elvis phenomenon ha had already run its course by 1971. You know, he he had, you know, but by the time he was starting to try to write, sing songs about social commentary in the ghetto and, um, you know, uh, Don't Cry Daddy and the type of stuff that actually spoke about the world he lived in, the world had already moved on. You had Marvin Gaye doing What's Going On. You had mm -hmm. other artists who had, and, and he, they were allowed to have that conscience and he wasn't allowed to have the conscience that they were allowed to, even though he wanted to. He was asked to come and perform uh, at, a, at a, a Martin Luther King um, a memorial concert by Mahalia Jackson. And P Parker wouldn't let him because he said that will segregate your, your fan base who are white, blue collar, middle American women. And they won't like you playing alongside Mahalia Jackson and Nina Simone and whoever else. So there's all that. But never underestimate Elvis's genius as a, not only a great musician and a great, but he was a great, he was a great um, interpreter of the modern American classic. And when rock and roll was gone and the, the 68 comeback special was gone, you could give him a song like uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters or um, Help Me Make It Through the Night, and he would turn it into his song. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think what, what uh, Baz Luhrmann's done brilliantly is he's entrenched the legacy of Elvis for good and, and destroyed the stereotype fat man on the toilet that, yeah. that destroyed the true reputation of Elvis Presley. And I'm absolutely thrilled that people now see Elvis for not just the icon that he was, but the for me, the, the, for me, the holy trinity, and I'll end on this in music, is Elvis Presley, David Bowie and Bob Dylan. Nothing else matters. Without Elvis, there'd be no Beatles. Without Dylan, there'd be no singer-songwriters. And without Bowie, there'd be no reason to absolutely have punk rock, glam rock, or anything else. He was the catalyst that changed stereotypes, equality, broke down barriers. And even without Elvis, there'd be no Bowie. So for me, Elvis's sainthood has been 
re, re, uh, re resurrected and put back where it belongs. Tell the other thing. I'd love to know as well. And it's it's the characters in the in in the book now. I want to know more about see those two beautiful uh, black girls that were in the back of band. The sweet inspiration. And I and the girls that played them in the movie. The, the, when you actually see them on stage, they were two fabulous looking girls. But he had he had, I came off. He'd seven backing singers on that concert tour. You know what I mean? And and there was four guys at the back that were, and at one stage you go, are they all just mates and all that? But when you actually looked at, remember the bit where they're around the piano and they're just singing off and, you know, he's the baritone. He's, he, every one of them pitch perfect and everybody had a role to play. You know what I mean? And it was just, I, I'd love to know, is there good books yet? These are, obviously these people must have wrote books yeah. because I want, these are the books I want to read now. What was it like to be in and around Elvis? Did they actually get to know him? I mean, yeah, they did get to know him because he, he, you know, he surrounded himself with so many people, and he was he, he was a people person, and he needed people because you got to remember he was an outsider. He was he was isolated. He was you know he was the weird kid on the street everywhere he grew up, from Tupelo to Memphis to you know when he when he tried to go to Nashville for the first time when he went to Hollywood, he was always the outsider. So he surrounded himself with people who he knew he could rely on, depend on. They got the name Memphis Mafia, but those musicians you were talking about, the Glenn Hardens and the J.W. Souther and, and the Jordanaires and, and the Inspirations and Jesus, like, and the Glenn Campbells. And, you know, the people who, when they seen him up close, the Tom Jones, they realized, hold on, this is, this guy's not a fucking cabaret act. This guy's the real deal. He can do anything. Of course, he never got the freedom to travel the world or to write his own songs. Um, and he never lived long enough for us to see would he do a Johnny Cash and have an American recordings and you know work with a great producer. But Jesus, what he gave us and what we're left with, there'll never be anything like it again. And I think you don't need to read a book to know that Elvis Presley touched everybody. And uh, who else can you say done that? Christ. Well, I don't, I don't know whether that's a real story or not, Paul, but we'll save that for another time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it's great listening to you, Paul. Yeah, the name is causing all the division in this world. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Him along with a few others. So listen, let's just get a little bit political because I want Sean to. He's sitting there waiting. He wants to get his teeth into this. And is is there any of them either of those that are running in the final, Richie or uh, Liz Trust? Are they worthy of the position? And um, where did, where is the UK going? Where are they going? Like where where is it going? Ask well, I, don't think, I don't think it's just the UK, Greg. I think it's more obvious with us at the moment. But mm. the thing for me, and I've been saying this for a while. One thing I just want to say is, we we have spent decades now, like at least you know we, we've had four decades where we've all had it really good, very gluttonous, low interest rates, no no inflation. We've all enjoyed it, but for them saying four decades we talked about the system being rigged and it's like you you hear it all the time that you know that there's this illuminati that that meet every year and that you know they do this and i'm not a conspiracy theorist at all but one of the things with this that's really annoying me is that they've set this inflation up right then you know they, they got caught out and i'll come on to that in a minute but if you look at europe and you look at America, the federal, federal Bank, and you look at the Bank of England, all of them near it at the, or in the middle and end of COVID were still printing money. When every financial expert at the time was saying, why are they printing money? You shouldn't be printing money. You know, you're devaluing your, your, your currency, 
and whatever. And it's it's so clear now that what they, you know, each of the, each of these governments now, you know, like they they're frightened to death. They can't tax us anymore. And what all I wanted to say tonight was, I, I saw something. It was I did go down the rabbit hole a little bit on this, but I saw something the other day where a financial expert who was quite old said, "You need to look at inflation as a tax, right?" And he said, "If you look at it as a tax, you'll think of it as something completely different." And what he said was, "Why you should look at it as a tax is obviously everything's going up. Say ten percent as an easy number. Here in the UK, we have VAT." And, and, and obviously with Paul in Ireland. Everything now is costing us 10% more. And the government, VAT, is 10% more at a minimum, right? Then also, obviously, for goods that, that, you know, every time you're paying more for something, the government will make more, not just in VAT, but in taxes. If it's more expensive to produce, you make, you know, more tax. This has been totally set up. What they didn't, I think, what they didn't cater in was that Putin would invade Ukraine and mm. send oil and gas prices even higher. And I think what they were looking at was keep inflation at like 5%. Everybody will be like, oh, it's a little bit more expensive, but what the hell, they'll earn their tax revenue. This has all been set up to pay back the money for furlough and whatever throughout mm. the world, whoever did, you know, like, and it's fucked up. Putin's fucked it up because he's now sent it through the ceiling. And the problem is now, what really worries me is, we, th this is an out of control train now. Um, you know, it is all the Americans are saying, we, you know, we're trying to lose trust here. She said, if you trust me, I can fend off the recession. This train is, is going so fast now that before we know it, we're going to be at 15% inflation. We're going to be at 5 to 10% on interest rates. And I don't, I don't think they know how to stop it now, purely because. Unfortunately, Putin invaded the Ukraine. But I, I, I honestly, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. But if you look now at the real sort of like the old school economists that you can find on, on YouTube and they're, they're all saying they set this up. This was all set up. COVID has to be paid back. Furlough has to be paid back. They set this up. And unfortunately, you know, they got hit with, the, with this war that's going on in Ukraine which has exacerbated it, and it's now out of control. They can't pull this back in, um, you know, and, and they're just lying their way out of it. And it's so frustrating because, you know, like Paul just said there, I don't know where this is going. I, I mean, our team already, they see this 10% number of inflation. They want a 10% increase. Mm. You know, and I'm saying to them, well, you can have a 5% increase, but you're going to have to find the other 5% by stop eating delivery meals and whatever else that... That's part of what recession is, you know, that you have to do your bit. Yeah, so for me, I just, I want to throw it out to you guys and see what you think, because it's interesting, you know, like, especially Paul, as I say, affected by, by VAT like we are, but this, you know, if you think, you know, the UK, it, it, the UK is going to be the first one to be really obviously hit. But if you don't think this is going to destroy Europe, I mean, America, they've got their own oil and their own gas. They're, they're, going to, they're going to find it really tough. But, I mean, Europe is going to get slaughtered here, I think. Okay, any opinions there, Paul? Well, first of all, uh, I mean, I never really looked at the idea that the, that the, the invasion of Ukraine um, exasperated the situation we're in, but I can, see, I can see how that makes sense. 
and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I mean, I, I've been a salon owner for nearly 30 years. Um, you know, we hear conspiracies, conspiracies in our staff rooms every freaking day. So we try not to um, <laughs> indulge them. But um, one of the things that I actually do feel very strongly about is that the spiraling costs and the fact that Northern Ireland is annexed, not just from, from um, the United Kingdom uh, as we stand, but also um, in our ability to um, uh, um, introduce uh, alternatives to what we have based on the fact that we're in, uh, part of an island country and that most of that, uh, most of that island is separate from our, our part of it. Um, I can only find that, that every trading day is becoming more and more difficult. Um, the costs are going through the roof. Getting staff, finding staff, I'm currently, I've just interviewed over 200 people for a reception job. Wow. 200 people. And I'll tell you what the sad thing is. The majority of people who've been given trials haven't showed up on the day of the trial. Mm. The second thing is, um, of, of the 30 assistants who've applied for a job, three people came for an interview and there were over 35. The majority, I've had a lot of interest from hairdressers who were in the freelance self-employed world and they want to know, can they, can they come back and work part-time? Why do you think that is? So they can do their nexus. So, so they want a tax footprint. Yeah. Okay. They think we don't know what's going on. We're, we're, we as, we as, I'm just thinking from a hairdressing point of view, Sean, I know you're thinking bigger, but we are feeling it every day from the clients who are, who are aware that, you know, the cost of things are going up, the staff who can feel it because they can't, they can't get the same um, amount of return on every pound that they make. And, and, and actually the, uh, the environment that we're in is making, is making everything more expensive and less rewarding. Now, I think we will get through it, but I'm not sure if our industry will look the same as it used to look. And we already know from COVID that furlough was probably the biggest mistake that the government could have made because we know that that gave people not just the opportunity to get free money, which most of them will never pay back because the employer paid the PAYE national insurance and the staff yeah. who were furloughed never came back to their work. So, you know, yeah. these big white elephants in the room are all coming to roost now. We now realize the mistakes that were being made. And, I, and we know that, we also know that I, in actual fact, those people out there who are working, doing whatever they're doing, um, are encouraging the people who are working in salons. They're saying, well, you should see what I'm making. You should see what I'm earning. Yeah. This, this thing is having a much bigger effect than simply the price of oil and the price of food, which is yeah. very bad. But in actual fact, it's the way people are behaving that it's affecting people, that's affecting us most. It's people's yeah. behavior. Well, it's funny, actually, I, we were coming through the airport in the duty-free and Alison calls me over and the girl on the tail was a girl I used to manage when I was in Peter Mark years ago. So she would be her age group, you know, she'd be in her 50s. And I said, oh, God, why are you walking here? She said, oh, I'm only walking here about two months, two or three months. And I said, but you're not walking like as a freelance hairdresser. And she says, yeah, but I got fed up with she said, Greg, I was turning up at people's homes. And then they go, oh, sorry, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't know you were coming. You know, and she said, and then I'd made the effort. Or if they were coming to my house, they weren't showing up. And, but, and, I, but, and I went, all right, so what are you doing? They say, are you working part-time or full-time? He said, no, I'm working five days a week. And, you know, kids are growing up now. I start a, I might be here at three in the morning, but I'm finished at lunch. And then I do a bit of hair on my days off. 
And I go, you're working five days a week and you're doing a bit of hair and your days off. Jesus, is that like, what thing is this? Is that what you're left doing and you're excited about that? That you have to work seven days a week? That you actually have to do that? Why would you want to do that? And the other thing I looked at and said, why isn't she going back looking for a job back within a salon? Yeah. Like, that's the sad thing. Why didn't you go well, to a salon and, you know, looking for a job? You know? Sorry for, sorry for jumping in, Greg, but I had a great, I, I, have, I had a good day today. I, I met some people who really, they, they have, they have um, reignited my, my belief in humanity. Um, I had a Ukrainian girl, no, sorry, a Lithuanian girl, two Polish girls, a guy from Hampshire in England, and a, another Polish lady who had had her own salon for 20 years um, and just didn't want to be dealing with staff anymore and wanted to come back full time. And I said to her, I said, you know, I said, how can I trust you? She says, I'll tell you why you can trust me, because I know what you're going through and I'm never going through it again. I mean, now they are words that you can take on board. You can you you could you can kind of sort of call that a contract. Because yeah, that yeah. is somebody who understands what it's like to be an employer. And they said, I'm getting out of this shit, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you get out of it as well by being a really good member of staff. Now, she's 35, 40 years of age. I, I don't get many people come to my salon that age. She wants yeah. retrained. She wants, she wants the skills that we can give her so she can feel like she's part of a modern environment where she's got new skills and new ideas and new techniques. But guess what she's bringing? 25 years of experience and an ability to do hair when you used to have to do hair without a pair of fucking straightening irons and a wand. And that's mm -hmm. what I want. I want people like that. I want people with real skills. And I just... <laughs> I don't have a straight... I don't have a set of straightening irons and I don't even know how to use a wand. But I'm, I'm managing well, the whole bit. Well, I still, isn't it, I still well, have people actually don't want me to do that. So happy enough. <laughs> Paul, isn't it right to think that just about when you're ready to throw your hat at it, mm. that something comes, comes oh, yeah. like yeah. that Look, and, and ignites it back again. I, you know, Pete, the, just, thing, the, the thing is, look, um, the, I love this industry, but I've taken a step back from the industry as we know it, because the industry never gave me anything other than a big ego. But my business and my clients gave me a great lifestyle and a wonderful career and an opportunity to make people happy on a daily basis. And I made 2022 the year that I got back to my roots, got back to basics. And I'm going to tell you something, it's paying dividends. It's well, well, I don't, I don't, I'd love to know, but the industry, it's moving forward again. But so far, if I want to go and be motivated, right, going forward in air industry, uh, the Irish Hairdressers Federation have an event on in October. It's in Kilkenny. Mm -hmm. uh, Havoc are running an event in October, and that's in Tullamore. Um, mm -hmm. Creative Head are running an event, and that's in, in around November, and that's in Dublin. And Forest are running an event in January, and that's in Dublin. And I'm going, now... Looking at that, and if you were to bring your team, I'm probably at the outlay there of five grand if I was to go the way you, oh, bring everybody along, bring everybody along. And then I look and kind of go, now I actually say to the team, remember, do you want to go to that? And then they go, nah, never really got that now that great. Okay, don't waste your money. And, I, and that's, you're right, Paul. 
I used to go out worrying that I had to be at these events, I had to be there, the industry. And actually, instead of looking and saying, no, as long as you're capable of doing the job and bringing that client back in, the, the world isn't changing that much for us to go. But a lot of these, we, what we feel we need to go to these events. And some of them are really... Let, let me just, I want to, because I, I think it's something that, um, that the boys would appreciate. I live in Belfast. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Maybe I've mentioned it once or twice. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not easy to get to places from Belfast, right? Mm. But I, I get asked every year to judge the British Hairdressing Awards. I used to think it was a huge, I mean, how lucky am I? I'm going to judge the British Hairdressing Awards. It usually cost me 300 quid in flights. Then taxis and trains and food, say another 150, 200 quid. 500 quid, 600 quid, nearly close to a thousand pound all round if I decided I wanted to go into London. And I, I looked at it this year and I went, if I do that twice, that's probably 1500 quid, two grand. And what do you really get? What do I get out of it? You know, I'll get to meet up with Sean and we can talk about football and maybe meet mm. other people. The reality of it is, and then I actually don't agree with any of the winners as well, which is another fucking issue. Um, you know, and, and I just thought, you know something, I'm out of this. This is that era of my life's gone. My happiest place now is either in, in this type of environment where I can share ideas or being on this. I'm in the salon for five days a week, knocking at eight, nine clients a day at 90 quid a client. That's where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. If I die behind the chair and they're marching me out to suspicious minds, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> it's funny, though, and part of it is I look at Duncan now in the position you're in, and then I look at Des as well, at Gandalf, as I always called Des, and their exit strategies. I don't know whether he has ever had one or not, but I always feel the generation that go ahead of the people I looked up to, I have to either learn from what they did and learn from what they didn't do. So what I want to ask you, I'll be asking Des and I'll be asking Duncan, okay, so you got there here. Well, well, before I get there, what shouldn't I be doing? You know what I mean? I want, like Duncan said to me, you, you need to have an exit. I said, no, I do have an exit plan. Touch wood, fingers crossed, it should work. But it involves the people that work within my business. Some One or two of them taking over the business and allowing me to still trade there and work, as you say, Paul, cut hair until the day I fall down because... But I only want to do it two days a week. But there I should mean, be people at two days a week. I think I think Paul I think Paul has the strategy now. I think he knows exactly what he's doing mm. because the key thing in business is to mind your own business. Yeah. Mm. That's all. That's right. It's, it's as simple as that, really. You know, just watch your own business and and okay, we go to show here, there, and everywhere or whatever. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't do this anymore. I just focus. I focus on, you know, when we had the recession in, in 2008, all I did was focus on the profit that the shop was making. I looked at it every day. And Aaron used to say to me, what are you doing? I says, I look at the account every day. What's going in? What's going out? That's what business is about. What goes into the and what goes out? Yeah. You know, so if you keep it simple on things like that and just watch I, like, I don't know. I, I, I learned that a long time ago, not from anybody. It was just sitting there side of the bed thing. I said, where the fuck am I going with this? Like, you know, I just, I, when I went into business force, I ran the business really, really well. And I drew up, I really did everything right. But I, I, I ended up on the revenue, 25,000. And I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, I need to really become a bit of an accountant. 
mm. and know everything about my business. And I watched that. And that's probably when I started to drift out of hairdressing and became the business business person. But I watched, I watched all that. I'm still watching today. I have two big moves coming up. And you know, they're gonna be big moves. So when it happens, I'll let you know. But Sean, can I just uh, jump in there? I, I mean, in terms of the industry, I mean, I, I'm hearing a lot of bad stuff coming out of London at the moment. A lot of people are, you know, maybe a month away from shutting their doors. People you and I both know who are thinking salon management, salon ownership's not for them anymore. I mean, London for me is always about six months ahead of what the rest of the cities in the UK are doing. How do you think this crisis that we're in, not just in our industry, but in the in economy is going to affect, or, or what are you hearing that how it's affecting the, the industry in London? I think, I think, what well, listen, I think what you guys said, I don't want to be like a pessimist in the sense, I, I, I agree with everything you say. I think like, I, I think what's happening, Paul, is it's interesting you say about the British hairdressing awards, they expect you to spend that money and then you still expect you to buy the ticket. Sorry, mm. that's what I wanted added. Mm. You you want to go to watch the final, you have to pay for it, like everybody else does, which is shocking. Um, but that's a different story as well. But I think with London, my biggest fear with this is, you know, is I don't think we we even we we're not even scratched the surface yet. This is like, you know, the, the biggest fear, the stagflation thing, is is what's what's on its way. It's it's frightening. I think like. I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface yet. I, 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 I mean, this is it's in total freefall. As I say, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit, and like, I've been saying it for a while. I, I just, you know, they've just been printing money, printing money, printing money. You know, like, and and in the states, you know, they're saying at the moment all oh, the dollars strong, and it, the whole lot of it is a, is a pack of lies. Yeah. And when this one, you know, people keep saying, oh, it goes back to the seventies. I always smile and I say. You know what? I like the seventies. I still love the seventies. So if it goes back there, I, I, I wouldn't be too bothered. But you know, stagflation is is just awful. And 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 I, I just my fear is they don't know how to get out of it. For our industry, I think it's a disaster. But I think this could be the turn back point. Mm. I think what will happen is actually I think self employed people are going to feel this much more mm. than than employed people. And I think what will happen is. People will spend their, their money, they'll probably spend a little bit more money and they won't want to spend it in their kitchen. This, I think this will be the death of the, the grey market or black market, whatever you call it, in hairdressing. Mm. I think what you'll see is people will come back far less often, but they'll be prepared to pay for it. And funny enough, Paul, like you said, I'm exactly the same as you. I don't want, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to your wards anymore. I don't want to go to your, you know, I can judge the British because it's just around the corner, but... I'm not paying for a ticket anymore. Mm. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not paying to send, you know, I'm not paying my models to go and do a show for you for nothing. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, we, I mentioned this before. I've been, you know, this, this industry has been really good to me, but it's raped me in, in every other way. And, and, mm. and it's actually made me bitter about it, which, which I still can't shed and I'm still trying to shed, but, um, but you know what? I, I, I worry about it. I, I, I worry about our industry. I worry more about London. And I, if, if I'm worrying about London, then I don't know what I could say about Newcastle, Sunderland, you know, Manchester. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm that fearful about London, I don't know what it's going to be like there when it follows on.
I yeah. mean, we, just to finish on on that note, because and I know I know Dublin is very is very different, and Dublin has always had that great strength. That's a European city like London. The rest of the cities around Ireland don't have that cachet. It doesn't have that kind of you know attraction. Galway, Limerick, um, Cork, great cities that they are, great business cities too. Uh, Belfast has never had that. We 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 we're, we've only enjoyed a certain amount of success recently through Game of Thrones and numerous other kind of um, franchises that really don't bring a lot of money in, but draw attention to the area and the region. Um, I think where, where we are in Belfast, what I'm really and it happened today, and 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 you know, um, you're, you're quite right that it did give me a boost. Is that when I seen the people who we attracted for the interviews um, based on our reputation and the fact that we potentially would be a good choice as an employer and that the, 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 what they, the skills that they were bringing and the experience that they were bringing were outside my normal expectation or remit, it gave me a bit of a lift. It made me feel like this is, there's something valuable still here. I think Sean's right. I think that gray area might find that this is the bump in the road that was that we were told was going to happen four or five years down the line. I think it's going to happen sooner. I don't begrudge any freelancer a rented chair they're a living at all. I don't. But mm -hmm. I, I've always said it shouldn't be at the expense of the salon culture. Now what I think is happening is the salon culture is going to shift. The people who are coming into salons are not going to be 16-year-olds. They're going to be mature people who can do great jobs, who are going to be reliable, who are going to be dedicated who want who want a career who want a future who want to be around exciting people and have a bit of ambition and if that drives me back into the industry doing shows and seminars because that's what these people want i'll do that but mm. i'll be doing it because there's a value to me and my people and that value yeah. will have a monetary value a spiritual value and an, a, and a moral value and i and you know alpha Parf have been great to me and i'll never begrudge everything they've given me and on all the work they've done and they've paid me well but, you know, even at that, I, I still feel that I, I won't do things that I believe will compromise my loyalty and allegiance to my clients and my staff. Last one, Greg. I just think one of the things you've always got to remember with like, I, I always look at this as a positive thing, as a as a when you when you talk about recession or you talk about even though it, it worries me. I think you you tend to in your mindset prepare yourself by going back to fundamentals. You know, like I I I read a great book the other day that and one of the things that he said in it was, you know, he doesn't set goals. You know, what he does is he focuses on the process. And he he, he just, you know, it's just that consistency of the process of how you get to the to the goal. You know, like so almost again, it's like forget a goal. You know, like don't say you want to be, you know, you want to do this many guests or you know, like I want to do 30 guests a week or I want to do 35 or I want to do 45 guests a week. Get rid of that bit. Just focus on the process of what you know works mm. and you'll get to that 35, 40, 45, whatever you want to do. But the other thing, just lastly on this, why I'm positive about this is because if you look at when we're at our deepest or when we, you know, I always used to say to people, when I used to do a shoot, they want me to do a shoot or a show. If they threw too much money at me, mm it was never as creative. When I needed to be creative, you know what? That's when it was tight and it was a struggle, I enjoyed it more, I was more creative, my work was better. I went out and found the right people to work with who would do it for the right budget, who had the same passion as me. When the money was there, 
Mm. I didn't find I worked with them people. I worked with people that were just doing it because it was a job and it was about the money. Dan, funny enough, I I seen a T-shirt today and I just smiled when I seen it. And if I I get back to the shop, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to send it to you because it does actually sum that up what you're actually just saying there. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, so I'll try and get my hands on it. I can't remember what, but I'll, I'll get back. If I can get back to it, I'll pick it up and get it to you because you'll wear it, you'll wear it as a badge of honor. This is where creativity comes back. Mm. You mentioned earlier New Romantics, you mentioned about the 70s, you know, Bowie. All of this stuff came out when the UK was its probably its darkest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since then, you know what, we can all talk about the magic of technology and medicine and stuff like that. But creativity is, you know, it, it has dropped off and it has died and it has been, you know, it's very much fabricated. There isn't much that, you know, there isn't that many that you could, you know, like you say there, you know, without you, without the names you mentioned, like Dylan and, and Bowie and, and, and Elvis, you, it's very difficult in modern times to think of, yes, there are some great artists and I'm not, being rude to them, but creativity, you know, I, I just think maybe this is what we've all needed is to go back to the to the drawing board almost, do what we do, what we love doing, and do it the way that we know we do it best. And 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 hopefully that's a, a that's a positive. Does it, I, can I, can I, I just say something there? Oh, can, yeah. can I just come in on that? This show tonight was really, really excellent. I enjoyed every minute of it and I I particularly enjoyed uh, Paul talking about the, the Elvis and, and Dylan and that. but it went up a few decibels when we started talking about the hairdressing and the industry and I think it's it just showed the real passion out there bang 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 all the time so I got I got that out of it and it's great to see it because although I am very passionate about the industry and I'm passionate about the business of the industry and where it's going and things like that. So I'm connected in all fronts because I, just on a quick, the microwave version is I never went into, I was pushed into hairdressing. I had no interest in being a hairdressing. I moved into it and I really liked it. I moved into management. I thought that was great. I had no interest in being a manager. And then I moved into having a business. Wasn't, didn't want it, wasn't looking for it. It just came to, to me. And then after that, then I have shops and because the shops are big and I have space in them, then I bring in a tenant. So it's, it's a business side of thing, but also you're, you're running the, like we, we fairly have, we don't have a lot of staff that leave us. They, they tend to be with us for 10, 15, 20, 25 years even, and still on top of their game. And we would have done a lot, an awful lot of stuff before uh, uh, the pandemic with Sassoon. Some of them have been there two times, three times, um, and they brought it back to the stand. So it's all still there, and I probably will miss it when I go out, but I will always, I won't have a guilt, or, or uh, I'll say I was there for 23 years, I was in hairdressing for 47 years, I was there for 23 years, and we gave it our best shot, and we turned up with everything, and we won things and things like that, but the most important thing was that we always hung up our own walk, on the salon floor. We didn't blow something up out of a, a, a page or something like that. It's always our own work. We didn't attempt to put anybody else's work. Uh, we ran our own business. We, we completely. And like 
a great legacy because all of us when we go will leave a legacy a bit like uh, a bit like uh, was it yourself that mentioned it or what people will be remembered for yeah the football leave them when they go they won't remember them these, these players and things like that who are they so you'll always leave a legacy and funny enough the last thing you do will kind of make that legacy so we better be careful when we are getting out or whatever we're doing that we do we do it right and that and I have a bunch of people that will have to be looked after as well you know so well, we have to do it. on that note okay right and just kind of take it right I'll, I'll finish it up on this is that recently I was asked and you 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 heard it talking to speak on national radio right now don't do it often somebody asked me to do it somebody said well Jesus Dylan normally gets that and I went yeah well, Dylan usually fairly good at it but I was asked to do it now, yeah. I, I, I went and asked the local green grocer what was, because basically it was how were small business facing into the future and how was business since pandemic was over and the whole lot. And I asked the green grocer, I asked the guy upstairs for me, Frank, who's very knowledgeable. He owns a beauty salon, him and his wife. And he'd be a real anorak when it comes to stats. And I went around, I fished around, I got some information. But a couple of the things that, that Clareborn asked me was, you know, how did you feel? And I said, look, as a 59-year-old man, so what worries do you have for, your, for yourself and your business? And I said, well, as a 59-year-old man, at this stage of my life, I, I've raised my kids. I, I've, I've got to spend great times with my parents who've sadly well passed away. I don't have a lot of worries for myself, but I have worries for the people who work for me, that can this industry provide them with enough money to stay in it? Can they pay their bills? Can they pay? I worry about my kids being able to afford to buy a home to live in at some stage. They're the things that worry me. But by and large, what I would feel as a business owner, when I when I came back to the salon and guests were coming in going, oh, you were very good in the radio. I heard you on the radio. It was good. And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, if I want to sum it up simply, and it would be that I would feel there's an uncertainty coming down the road. None of us know the future. None of us know what's happening. And it mightn't be as dark as you think, Sean. Who knows? We don't know. None of us know. But what I would feel is those who showed loyalty, if it does get dark, will be the ones that will be kept. And those who sold themselves out or went off and just thank you will be the ones who want to come back but won't be wanted. And that's the way I would look at it because that's the way it is. My loyalty is to the people that have stayed with me. And a lot of them, as I said to you, Duncan, there recently, we've had an employer fishing out there for, for staff and offering people two grand of their existing staff if they get new staff to go. We did lose one stylist, but in fact, Sometimes the door closed for one person, opens up for another. Our junior stylist, all of a sudden, our figures went way up. Our youngest, uh, next best trainee, her, all of a sudden picking up clients. So the door opened up for them. So it's, you can't keep everybody forever. As I said, if everybody was stayed with me in 23 years, I would need my unit and the three units beside me to employ them all. But that's not mm -hmm. going to happen. So everybody is there for the time that, hopefully, as I always say, leave the door. As my mom always said, that's a great job. Why are you leaving it? Leave the door open. Leave the, make sure you leave. If you're leaving, leave the door that will always be like the, like the chef or the, the door in the restaurant that they come in and out with the food. It's always swinging. Let, make sure you leave the door swinging because mm. that's the way you leave a business. Um, and, yeah. and that's the way I would have ever left it. When I left PMs, I left made sure the bloody door was well ajar because I didn't know whether I'd be back in six months. So on that, I, I just want to say it was a great evening. If anybody has any final word to say, you're welcome. Uh, but we have to wrap it up soon. So final words, gentlemen. Hey, can I just say, that was a great yeah. point that Duncan made. I, I think that the last acts that we all do are the ones that, we're, that we are generally remembered for. 
And I think that's a very inspiring thing to say because none of us, none of us four, and, and, and including Mark, and I don't know Keith very well, but I'm sure we, we, we haven't come this far in our careers doing all the wonderful things we've done to end with some massive negative or failure. I certainly haven't. And I think that was a great point. And it'll, it'll stick with me, Duncan, that you said that because I think I needed to hear it, even though I know yeah. it. Too. The second thing is, on a lighter note, do not miss the opportunity to go and see where the crawdads sing. It is. Well, Arlene is reading the book there, Paul, and she won't go to the movie. Well, but I'm not about to read. Hmm. But she I don't think it was a fantastic. Oh, it is. I mean, you know, obviously Elvis will be my favorite film this year for very personal reasons. Mm. But as a complete surprise, and 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 uh, there's two things about the Elvis thing that I, I can compare with. The Elvis film is really good at actually pinpointing exactly the mindset of middle America in 1954, 55, and 56, and how outrageous and rebellious this man was unbeknownst to him and his family. That's the first thing. Mm. The second thing is the similarity when the crawdads sing about people's absolute lack of care and understanding for the people they don't know and are suspicious of without any reason. In today's world, that's never been more prevalent. And I think when you come out of a film that's based in 1956 to 1967, it makes you realize how fucking judgmental we still are for no reason. Mm. I mean, even if it's just some arsehole shouting at you because you're wearing a hat on a Sunday day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This world is still full of people who don't have I don't hear who that was, Paul. This uh, this no, was, so I'll go up there and sort them out because I <laughs> I went out and bought me a couple of hats today because you inspired me to wear a hat. Well everyone, you know if you can wear a hat you should wear a hat but and you don't need a reason to but the point I'm saying is you know um the point I'm making is when the crawdads sing is not only a beautifully articulated very well observed piece of cinema. It's actually a wonderful thing to watch and get a bit of a better understanding of why the world has come. I mean, people talk about the woke society. I have my own feelings about that. But decency, equality, um, respect, and acknowledging that every human being has the same value as his neighbor needs to cannot be told enough. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a beautiful way to finish this great episode, episode 15. So, gentlemen, look after yourselves. I'm going off to meet my wife, and hopefully she won't kill me for doing this on my holidays, but she loves me, and that's all it's all about. So take care, look after yourselves, and enjoy the sun. Mm -hmm.